Before we begin today's episode, please note that it does contain some adult language. Hello and welcome to Dance Talks. Today is July 17th, 2020, and my guest is Elijah Gibson. Elijah is the founder and director of Social Movement Contemporary Dance. Elijah, welcome to Dance Talks. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm really looking forward to sharing your story. So would you please just take it from the top and tell us about how you really first learned to dance? Okay, well, my story begins, I was about eight years old. My introduction to dance was through tap dance. Um, and I was from San Diego, California. Um, and there was, every summer, there was a park we would go to, and they would have different activities you could do, whether it was finger painting, sometimes gymnastics, um, music, and you would do this for a week. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I want to, there was one year they had tap dancing. And so we took a tap dance class, and it was great, it was fun. And so the summer was over, went back to the normal school year, and there was a TV show called Webster. And there was Emmanuel Lewis, who was, he's a little person. He was on the show, and I just loved it because he was tiny, I was tiny. I actually didn't start growing to really till after high school. So I did, he just resonated with me, and I saw him tap dancing one day. And, of course, I had learned that previous summer, you know, taking some lessons, well, for a week, and... Um, I would practice and I would jump around and, and my mom was always like, what are you doing? What are you doing in there making all that noise? And I was like, I'm tap dancing. <laughs> and so that the following summer, I went back and I went to the teacher and showed her what I could do. And she said, she says, like, who taught you that? How did you pick this stuff up? And I told her, I said, I taught myself. I said, every day I would practice for the past year. So she was wow. like, well, you know, I need to speak to your mom. So that basically started that. Um, and then I tapped and, and danced with San Diego Parks and Rec's um, Recreation Center, and you know, it was a, a citywide program that they had. And then when I moved to Texas, and right before high school, I moved to Bryan, Texas. My mom's from that area. And um, it, it was, well, one, coming from San Diego, California to Bryan, Texas, complete culture shock, first off. And, um, but it, <laughs> of course, you know, that sentimentality that, all the guys play football, and if you're a girl, you're a cheerleader or on the drill team, is what they called it, or palm squad, one of the two. I think it was drill team. And, of course, I didn't do any of those, and I wanted to dance still. And it took us a while. We did find a dance studio um, called MCM Studios, Michelle Montalbano. Um, and I danced there for some years. And then mid-high school, I kind of stopped. I actually was really involved um, with things in high school. I was in pretty much every club. I was even in Future Farmers of America. Like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just one of those people, I just did everything. And, um, cool. And then I went off to college and when I went to San Houston State University is where I got my undergrad. And when I was there, I actually went to school for biology. I was a biology major with a minor in chemistry. And j just like in high school, um, I, joined like pretty much every club and so I was with NAACP and every year um, in the spring we would have a fashion show and they had a band that would come in during intermission to play and <clears throat> actually I forgot to mention that even when I first went to college in my freshman year there was a kid in College Station he was a tap dancer and he maybe about eight years old but he was extremely talented like crazy good and no one could teach him because he was so good so I would drive back and give him private lessons um, so I still nice. had that dancing going on. That's how I still stayed involved. But fast forwarding back to when 
NAACP were going to have our our function, and they they canceled, and we were in a meeting, and I jokingly said, I was like, oh yeah, I was like, I can I'll tap dance for you, and <laughs> and they were like, uh-huh. yeah, and I was kidding anyway. But then that night, the night before the show. I get a phone call now and then in the dorm, we didn't have cell phones, so they called my dorm phone. <laughs> and I pushed my four-digit code to get the message. <laughs> and they were asking me if I could tap dance. And I was like, are you serious? This is tomorrow. And I was just kidding. And so one of my friends, another club I was in was the Soul of the Gospel Choir. And one of my friends who was in the Gospel Choir, she was a dance major. And she invited me to see a um, production called Dances at Eight which it was a student-run production. They did everything from the choreography, the sound, the tech, everything. Um, and so when I went to the show, I asked her, I was like, oh, how did you, how do you do this stuff? And she said, oh, I'm a dance major. And I was like, dance major? You can get a degree in dance? Like, I had no idea. And so, um, so I knew that they had a dance building. Um, mm-hmm. And so when they asked me to tap dance, I took my tap shoes and I went to this room, um, went to the back rooms and I'm in there practicing. And this, a man walks by, um, Dana Nicolay, who was the chair of the dance department at the time, and he looked, pokes his head in, and the first thing I thought to myself was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in trouble. You know, I, I'm not supposed to be in here. But he didn't say anything. And then he walked by again and poked his head again, and the same thing, I thought I'm going to get in trouble. So he kept doing it, and about the sixth time, he finally walked in, he introduced himself, I said who I was, what I was doing there, how I found out about the building. And so he actually went and spoke to my friend, um, the dance major, and she approached me. Long story short, I ended up making it my minor. This is my sophomore year, I want to say. I made it my minor. Mm-hmm. And then the spring semester of my sophomore year, I want to say I switched my major to dance and made biology and chemistry my minors. And, of course, my parents, they, well, my mom, she was like, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. she was like, uh, what are you doing? So, yeah, that's basically, you know, that was my introduction to what kind of started everything awesome. with my training. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And I know you went on to dance for eight years with Gus Giordano, Jazz Dance Chicago. Yes. So yes. how did you get there, and what was it like? Um, well, it was amazing. First. <laughs> it yeah. was so crazy. Last night I had a dream about us touring. It was so oh. So random, yeah. It was crazy. I'm like, yeah. Awesome. But it was like it was now. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> but anyway, I, um, cool. when I was in college, you know, the thing that's so crazy is, of course, then we didn't have social media and all of these different things, and, and it's still being so new to me. I didn't really know much, but I think, well, I, I will say nothing, but Dana, they did a really good job at the department about keeping us informed about dance stuff. But of course, then everything was you no know, ballet companies and the cruise ships were a thing then so they were posting those bulletins up um right posting those notes notices up on the bulletin board um but justice world congress was a thing that gus was on the jazz in chicago it was you know like now they have all the different dance conventions yeah at the time it was the epitome of what a dance convention was it was there was nothing like it um and basically during the day, you had um, classes from the, the Godfathers of Jazz. You had Gus Rudolph himself, Matt Maddox, Luigi, um, Frank Hatchett, um, Joel Tremaine. And then you had other people teaching. Patty Obie was there teaching. Um, Susan Quinn. Just so many people, you know. Um, and it was great. And then around lunchtime, they would have lunch and they would have these, intermi- uh, these matinee performances, which were uh, choreography competitions. So you basically... People would send in from around the world. They would submit choreography, and then they would select um, 
finalists. And so every day they would have a matinee performance. And there were about maybe five, five, four to five, it ranged, um, of performances during the matinee choreography competition. Then in the evening, you had the mixed bag of professional companies that performed. Um, and so what happened was while in school, I actually started a little dance group. We would perform and, and do things around campus. I remember when it was time for the yearbook to, I guess, be, which is weird. I don't even know if they do yearbooks now in colleges, but they um, had a yearbook and they wanted to advertise the sales. So they got in contact with me and they asked, they said, every day, could you and your dance group um, maybe do some performances, come out in the mall area, which is the commons area where everyone hung, hung out and do some performances. So basically what we were doing, we were doing flash mobs before flash mobs were even a thing. Um, I, I'm not saying I created flash mobs, but I was doing it before. Uh. <laughs> awesome. So, Trendsetter. So we, doing, <laughs> so we were doing flash mobs um, for that, and then I created a group. And actually it's interesting because I didn't really have any jazz, formal jazz training. Like I took some classes and, and whatnot at the studio. But to learn, I just, I started teaching. I, yeah. Every Tuesday and Thursday, I offered a free jazz class, and there were so many people coming. Dance majors, um, you had people who weren't dance majors who liked to dance. People cool. People who were on Orange Pride. Yeah. So <clears throat> I started teaching that class just for, just to do something, because all of our training was ballet and modern. Um, we had our ballet classes, of course, and then our modern was Graham and Cunningham. So we didn't really have that jazz outlet. There were the classes with the musical theater, um, teacher, um, but still, I just wanted something different. So that's really what started actually the group. And then I started choreographing and we would do shows. And, um, so that was the thing. And so when I, there was the summer, what happened was I wanted the year before I graduated, if I'm not mistaken, I'm getting the years mixed up, I auditioned for Orange Pride Dance Team, which is a dance team at school. And I was on the team. And actually, until then, there had never been a guy. I was the first male on the team. Wow. And, and then we went to nationals, UDA nationals at the town. I think they have so many different, they have NCA dance, they have so many other different, um, you know, competitions like that. But at that time, UDA and NCA dance, where they were the, the two big ones. And again, there had never been a guy who went to nationals, at least not on the collegiate dance team. Wow. Of course, cheerleaders, they had co-ed. So sure. I was the first male to ever go to UDA nationals as a male. So, and there was a lot of controversy around it. The fact that there was this guy there dancing, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. it was great. So it was crazy. So again, there's always many, but there's only one first. And that <laughs> <Hey>. was <me. laughs> cool. So, <laughs> so we did that. And then after that next year, and also I was kind of person who I always took uh, I took so many classes that, you know, I was bored if I only took 12 or 15 credit hours. So mm -hmm. I loaded up on classes even during that summer. I was in school and then I finished. I didn't do the second summer session and I was a little bored. I'm like, oh, what could I do? You know, right now when I looked up and I think it was Dance Theater, maybe Dance Magazine, and I saw Jazz's World Congress. And that year, this was 98. And mm -hmm. for some reason, I want to say it was in Phoenix, Arizona. I could be making that up or Tucson. I don't quote me on the actual place. Um, but it was too late to to enter. So I decided, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to submit choreography. So we submitted a tape um, for choreography, and we got accepted into the Leo's Competitive Event. So in 1999, we went to Buffalo, New York, and competed. And um, wow. we 
didn't win anything. But it, the interesting thing, what's it's so crazy is because when I was in school, I had learned about Gus Giordano in, in, in history. Cool. But, you know, and even talked about him in history class, but I didn't really know that he, there was a company. Um, and even then, one of the founding members, Patty Obi, she would come and teach master classes. And the thing is so crazy, I never knew that she was affiliated with Gus, you know. And so when we went to Jazz and Swore Congress, I saw her and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I saw her, they would walk in their entourage, it would be Gus and Patty and the other teachers. And, and you know, when they walk by, everyone just looks at them and, oh, they're like, you know, gods. And the fact that I knew Patty or I had a connection with her from our school, I just made me feel even more special. Um, but I will never forget after we competed, yeah. and we, we saw them walking, and of course, everyone's like, we stopped and we we're just staring. And he says to me, he goes, you young man, you're gonna, you're gonna be an amazing company. You're gonna have an amazing company someday. And he said that to me, and I was like, oh my gosh. So of course, we thought that we had won Leo's competitive event. And then when we got an honorable mention, I was like, oh, I was like, whatever. But anyway, <laughs> um, there is when I actually auditioned for the company. Well, they had an audition, and I think it was for company, second company scholarship, what have you. And I got into the second company. Cool. And so that's what moved me to Chicago. Um, and the crazy thing is, after the the event was over, um, Patty Ovi came up to me, and I don't even know if she remembers this at all, but she said, did you, did you have a good time? And I said, yes, I enjoyed this. I you know, want to do this again. And she goes, well, would you come back? And I said, yes. I said, next year, I plan on being on that stage at one of those professional companies. And the following year, um, Congress was held in Buffalo, New York again. And I was on that stage. I opened the Congress with Gus Rodette, Gus Rodette Jazz Dance Chicago. So that was my very first performance with him the following awesome. year. So, yeah, it was surreal. It was really, really crazy. Yeah, that was probably one of the most memorable performances. And there's some others in there as well. But So that's basically how I ended up there. Yeah. What a dream come true. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Crazy how it all fell into place. Yeah. So t tell us what the company was like in Chicago, what the scene was like, you know, just <sighs> memories. Well, yeah. well, so you have to think about this. I mean, I've been living the past four years in Huntsville, Texas. Um, <laughs> and, and Wait, wait, wait before you go on, can you describe <laughs> what Huntsville, Texas is like? Well... I'll describe what it was like then. Real quick. Now it's what, 2020, so it's totally different. Okay. But can you imagine back then, and I'm, I'm going to age myself, um, before I moved to Chicago in 1999, I mean, I mean, it's a small a small town, college town. I mean, yep. there was like... <laughs> yeah. that's, that's good. That's good. Right. <laughs> and so, and then moving to Chicago, I was just like, you know... It was it was eye opening. I mean, one of the things you have to realize too, being catapulted into this position into this place with a world renowned dance company, and you're coming from college, and it's, and and that's just something that doesn't really happen. I mean, to get a job or get into anything like that right out of college, it's it's not the norm. It, it just very rarely right. happens, and so. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a huge learning experience. I mean, I learned so much. I just remember the very first day of rehearsal. And then we go to lunch, and they're like, "All right, let's go to the bank." And I'm like, well, "What? We're getting paid already? Like that's so crazy! Like it's my first day." And then we go to the bank, and at the time, um, it was it was a Chase Bank, but at the time it was Bank Bank One. Yeah, is it called Bank One? Yeah. And right in the lobby, there was this huge thirty foot industrial scale. We go there, and it was like she's like an artistic director's like, "All right, strip down." They had a surprise weigh-in. They had surprise weigh-ins, and I'm like, "Well, first off." 
you couldn't just go to the dollar store and get a little scale and put that in the studio's break room. You're like, you literally have to take us to the bank in the main lobby and make us sit down to leotard and tights in front of all these people and weigh us. But yeah, so that was the first day. I was like, uh, is this what it's like? And I remember right after that, I go, go back to the studio and I go upstairs and I called, I don't even know if you remember this, I called Dana Nicolay, who was the director of the guest apartment, yeah. on a payphone because we had a payphone. So I remember putting my quarter and I dialed long distance. I don't even know if I had a calling card. I just remember calling him and telling him <laughs> that. And his reaction was kind of like, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. but, but no, it was amazing though. I mean, in Chicago, the dance scene, and I say this all the time, I actually just had a conversation with a good friend of mine earlier. And I was just saying, actually yesterday, and I was, we were just talking about it, you know, I mean, dealing with the COVID thing and her having a studio and she's having a hard time finding teachers. Um, and then it kind of went into the reason why that may be. Um, and then we started getting on, talking about the Chicago dancing, but there was just, it was such an amazing community. I mean, you had Joffrey, Giordano's River North, Luna Negra, Hubbard Street, um, Mantu, Deeply rooted. I mean, they were just so, and it goes on and on and on. And Joe Hall. Some co- yeah, some kind co- Joe Hall. They, I mean, Joe Hall. They, I love Joe Hall. I would take class in there all the time. I mean, they, I mean, the list goes on and on. And the crazy thing is, like, there were some companies that were, of course, smaller in size, smaller in budget. Dancers were just as phenomenal as the, the companies with the bigger budgets and, and more mm-hmm. dancers. And, and every single yeah. one had their uniqueness about them. To where, you know, everyone had a place and there was just so much support though. There was a lot of support in the dance community. I mean, I even other dancers, Joffrey dancers and Girono dancers, and we always hung around each other. I don't know if it's because Gerald and Harpino and Gus were also friends, but yeah, there was such a, just a strong connection with everyone in the community. And it was a great learning experience. Again, coming from college and then going into a community like that where there was just so much learning. I mean, I, I grew so much. In those first couple of years, just, of course, as a person, you're now in this city and you're experiencing so many different things, but just the people I, I was with and what they had to offer, it, I mean, it's irreplaceable. I, right. they, they taught me, the people I danced with in Giordano's at that time taught me how to live life, most definitely. Oh. And just the people that were coming in, the choreographers I got a chance to work with. Yeah, I mean, there's it, it, not even words to explain it. It's it just, it was amazing. There will never be anything like that. Right. At least for me, you know. Yeah. I remember being there um, from 98 to 2001, and mm-hmm. Dance Chicago was the festival that brought all the different companies and independent oh artists together. And yeah. it blew my mind. And yeah. I was able to, like, know where to go take class, even if it meant, you know, a two-hour ride up north from the south side, like, fine by yeah. me. Um, yeah. And it opened my eyes to just the world of dance. And like yeah. you said, it was before social media. It was before So You Think You Can Dance. It was before, yeah. I mean, like we, the, some of the, most of my dance education, aside from growing up seeing the Houston Ballet, was, you know, just a, like college courses where they might show video. Yeah. So to go see it live in person and to see all those personal connections and get to know each other, um, yeah. it, it was so, so awesome. Well, that's the thing. Dance Chicago was such a great event because, you know, especially sometimes when you go to a city, you go to New York or L.A. or wherever, and there's there's so much going on. And it's like, unless you go there with a specific intention, I'm going to be with this group, there's so much. And it 
you've been misguided, but you just don't know where to go. And you can kind of just yeah. keep shuffling around. And no one wants to spend much time doing that. Of course, you need to find where your fit's going to be. But in Chicago, just that month long of dancing, I mean, of course, the opening and closing weekend were the bigger companies. But right. then you would have a jazz night. You, you would have hip-hop night, tap night. Yeah. You would have a kid's night. Or, you know, and it, it literally, if you were wanting to dance and you came to Chicago for a month, you could literally see a different dance program every single night. Um, well, Sunday, of course, they had matinee. But it was great because it, you got a chance to see what was actually there. Right. Every single, whether it was a, an ensemble, professional dance company, a group, uh, pick up stuff I mean you got a chance and it, it was it was great because it put it all on display so you are like oh this is this this is this this is this this is this and most of the places had a place where you could actually go take class from these people so it was such an amazing event and it's actually where I really um, started getting well well I hate to say it because I already was doing this before but really with my choreography really started getting seen by other people rather than just you know what was going on in my um, immediate surroundings. So, okay. yeah, it was a great thing. Cool. So what was the company like aside from just local? I mean, you guys were a touring company. Where where did it take you? Um, everywhere, around the world. I mean, it, it was one of my favorite things to travel the world on someone else's time. But then you're doing what you're loving to do. And, yeah, I mean, when we went in, there were, there were five guys, five girls. And it's interesting because when I first got there, I... Most definitely, I'm like, I'm never going to get hired here. I mean, the shortest guy was probably maybe 5'11", if that, you know. And even the girls were all my height, with the exception there were some short, you know. But, I mean, I'm living at this company full of tall men, and mm -hmm. I'm understudying three men, and they, they're they literally a foot taller than me. And I'm like, why would they hire, you know. And so it's interesting now when you look at the company, I, most definitely that, the heights have changed and there's a, a range, you know, but it, there was most definitely this, I don't want to say this cookie cutter image. I mean, there was a look, but you don't know how to look. If you were a woman, once you got into the company, you had to cut your hair. Um, yeah, it, it was just, it was interesting. Five guys, five girls. We had our home season twice a year. Um, we toured internationally. We would go to Europe and be there for weeks, 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 weeks. Um, but yeah, we toured all over the place. It, it was just, again, it, I don't, it was probably some of the hardest dancing I've ever done, most definitely. I mean, we danced. Yeah. I mean, there was always a lot of partnering, and when I say heavy partnering, I mean, worse, had a lot of partnering, but then we also just had a lot of physicality, and we danced. And so it was it was crazy. It was <laughs> it was hard, but, you know, I was young. I loved it. I, I lived on it. I, you know, thrived on that stuff. You know, that's what I wanted to do. But yeah, it was great being able to go out of the country and, you know, see the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and especially at that time, because even when you look at news, the way news media is now, then it, 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 it wasn't what it is now. So we would go out of the country and I would see things that were happening. And I think that's what really opened my eyes too. It kind of foreshadowed what was going to be coming with me and, you know, social movement. Um, just seeing the effects of, what was going, what we were doing, mm -hmm. that no, we didn't realize in the United States that, you know, the public or that, you know, we didn't know what was going on with government, things that were happening, and we were over there. Yeah, it just, it just opened my eyes to a lot, but it was really, really, it was great to, to be able to do that in a tour, and again, these people were my family, um, and be on the road with them, and we, it was really like a family. We, 
fought, <laughs> we laughed, we <laughs> argued, we got on each other's nerves. It's so funny because, um, you know, I'm still, I still have a connection with all those people. And one of them, I mean, he was like my brother. We actually is interesting because we were on stage because we were similar in height. We were always on the opposite ends. I was never really with him. Um, but yeah, a couple of times we would, we would have some run-ins. Yeah, I remember one incident in particular. I'm not going to say what happened, but yeah, I just wanted to snap his neck. But, <laughs> but yeah, I left him to death. He's yeah. one of my, I love this guy. He, Joe Longenecker danced with him. And it's so, my mom just, when she had passed, he came down and was a pallbearer for a funeral. I mean, yeah, we just, wow. I have such a great connection with these people still. And they're like my, my extended family. So Awesome. So why did you leave? How, how did you take your first step um, out? That's the, you know, it's so crazy because, you know, and it was hard, you know, I, I think about even when I was in college and then leaving there to move to Chicago, it was such a hard decision to make because, again, when I was in college, that was my family, you know, and I remember even prior to going to Jazz World Congress, I had auditioned, um, Ailey had their, their, program audition, you know, we, it's me and to me, they're the answers, we went to that, and I got into the year-round program, but also at that point, I decided that I was not going to dance. I graduated early, and um, immediately went to grad school, because I think I just, well, I know for a fact, starting dance so late in college, I wasn't ready, I knew that I was not ready to um, to go out there, to get a job, I wasn't prepared, so I, out of fright, I just basically went to grad school. And then I told myself, okay, I got into the year-round program at Ailey. I told myself, okay, I'll do this for a semester, for the semester, and I'll come back. And I'll just pick up pick up my biology stuff. My mom will be happy when back on that track. Um, but the thing that was so interesting is when I went to Jazz's World Congress and saw um, Drew Donald's perform, I'm like, no, this is where I need to be. Um, and the thing that really attracted me to them is every company that was there, they were all amazing. I mean... Phenomenal. But the thing about Drew Downs was every single night they had different rep and every night I would watch them, they looked like a different company. They didn't look like Drew Donald's doing so-and-so's work. They looked like a different company. And that's the and right now, you know, every company now, you know, have contemporary and all this, whatnot. So the aesthetic kind of was similar. And yes, there's some movement that's really great. You're like, oh my gosh, that's good. But that was the one thing I loved about it was that every piece I would get to become this different person or yeah. there's a different challenge and that's what drew me to them so when I was there of course um there for all these years but I don't know you know during that time I started choreographing and I felt like I needed something different um you know I think when you start finding other ways to express yourself other than just advancing choreographing and teaching you realize that as an artist you need something else and um I actually had been flying back and forth from Los Angeles to New York, trying to decide what I, what I wanted to do. And I was in LA and I'm from California, but I, I don't know. I think after being in the concert dance world, I, I don't know, commercially, it just wasn't for me. I, I, it's not something that at that time that I really wanted to do. Um, then New York with a lot of the musicals that were going on, I really wanted to dance. And at that time, everything was singing heavy. I mean, there was dance, but like for instance, rent, there dance, but there was, there wasn't choreographed. You know, big number, you know, and that's what I really wanted to do. And that's not what was really going on at the time. So, right. um, just so happened the choreography and teaching thing really took off for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I stayed in Chicago 
after I left the company, stayed in Chicago, and that was just my home base, but I would just travel doing all of that stuff. Um, so I was doing that, and then what happened was, at some point, um, there was a dancer who left, well, left mid-season, so they asked me if I would um, come back and finish out his second half of his contract. And I'm like, okay, yeah, so I did. And when I left, I mean, half of us had left. I mean, it was a huge turnover, which was crazy because that was the thing about Giordano's at the time, too. There were five guys, five girls, and you weren't getting into that company if no one left. And so you would have people who were in the second company who would wait around, but because we wanted to be there so bad, you know, to where we wanted to be. So um, I've gone back. I don't know why they just didn't have someone in the second company going, but it didn't matter. I finished the contract. And there was new blood. There were all new dancers. Um, I want to say two of them that I didn't even know for sure. One of the guys and one of the girls, they, they were, what we say, off the street. Because usually what happened was, you know, you went through the school. You were a student there. You were on scholarship. And then after the scholarship show, you auditioned and you got into the second company. You know, and it was kind of a, you know. And so when someone came in who wasn't on scholarship or they were only in the second company or either, neither, we just said they were off the street. It was the kind of name we gave them. Yeah. And so there was <laughs> so there was new energy. They were all some younger people. Um, but I went back and it was great. You know, I, it was a little bit, maybe it was just different because of the younger people. And not that I was in a, a leadership role, but also I think just... As an artist, I knew who I was, a little bit more, a little more comfortable, and the rep changed again. The dynamic of the size of the dancers went from here to here. You know, they were shorter. Um, so again, that different choreographers were doing different things. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like you know when I went back, and then the second time I left, stayed there for a couple of years, and then there are some things that happened that you know I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I so I ended up leaving. But you won't go there. That's all but, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, <laughs> uh, did you go right into academia? Well, interesting what's happening. What happened that last year? Um, uh, a guy, his name's Alan Arnett. He was probably drew on the family. He was in the company. I don't know when. I don't want to age him more than anything he was. But I went to the eighties. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when he was in the all company. Right. But he had, and I knew him. You know, people would always come back. It's like family reunion. So. I don't know why, he ended up contacting me and was asking me if I would be his sabbatical replacement. He was at Shenandoah University. And um, and I told him, I'm like, well, when would you want this to happen? He goes, well, it would be in the spring. And I said, well, it's hard because in the fall, you know, we tour usually out of the country and we come back. And then the second half of November, um, sometimes all of November, but second half of November to December, we were off. You know, so everyone would do rockets and do other things, nutcrackers, what have you. But started back in January, I mean, we were gone. So I didn't know how that was going to happen. So what happened was when I decided I was leaving, this, that was it. Um, I, I happened to email him, and which is weird because I guess he never answered. He wasn't going to answer his emails, but some, for some reason he answered my email. And we started talking, and I told him, I was like, yeah, I can do it. I'll, I'll come in the spring. So I was there. Um, for the spring semester as a sabbatical replacement. Now, mind you, I was also in talks. I had done some stuff, and I saw Robert Robert Moses' work for the first time a couple of years prior to that, and I fell in love with it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this person? So I've been in communication back and forth about possibly trying to see what's going on there, and I knew that there was a turnover that they were looking for some people. But I, and I think is I always loved teaching. I love the the 
understood. Like I always say, I, if I could have been a professional landscaper, I would have done that. I love the process of being in the studio and figuring things out. I don't know if that was a science part of me, but trying to figure out why things work. And I love teaching. And so the fact that I could teach um, in a setting to where this, you know, this is what these these dancers want to do, rather than being something near recreational, it was great. And they had gotten approved to hire to open up a new line, so. They asked me and I applied and I stayed there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I ended up teaching. That's how I got to Shenandoah. All right, Professor. Tell me, <laughs> what's the difference between jazz dance and contemporary dance? Okay, it, it, this is a crazy thing because, and there's so many arguments. Well, I don't want to say arguments or discussions, maybe arguments of what jazz dance is, what contemporary dance is, where they come from, and all these different things. And this is when I, again, when I was in college, in my, I guess my scope, my lens of what, what jazz dance was, was very limited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My computer is not back. So we're back. We're, we're back. Well, not necessarily in college, but I think if you think about now, even when I was in grad school, people, there were always a discussion of what contemporary dance is, what it isn't, what it is. And so I just remember before I went to Jazz and School Congress, I had such a narrow view of what jazz is. You know, all I it's thought like, of it was just about the. Again, you distracted We talked about this. Here we go. Okay, so uh, you were just we saying really about like there were a lot of arguments, and then when you were um, in college, I don't so know if you could ask you I just thought, you know, pirouette, chasse, okay, turn, you know, jazz hands, you know, all those different things. Um, but when I went to Jazz Hands World Congress, I just remember I felt enlightened. There were so many different companies there, and from and like when I looked at jazz dance, I just felt like there was just this. It umbrellaed so many different things, and and honestly, and it, it, we talked touched base on this earlier about the the fact that you know there was no social media, and right now what happens is because there's so many different styles or whatnot, but and people see them online and then they just start doing them, but a lot of times they don't really know what the foundation is or where the source of it comes from. They're just imitating, and at that time, what was great was that for you to experience it, you have to have been there, so you were getting everything from the source. And so, of what it was, but so to see all of these different, um, I guess, interpretations of what jazz dance was, was great, it opened my eyes to what it is, what it could be. And I'll, even now with all the contemporary, that was being formed here at Jazz World Congress. A lot of this stuff that's going on, we were watching that stuff develop there through a lot of the different choreographers and different companies that were coming. So right now, I mean, to to draw a definitive line like jazz is this and it's not this and contemporary is this and it's not this, it's really hard to do that. For me, I do like to talk about where I, again, everything starts about going back to the source and where it came from. Jazz dance most definitely is rooted in African movements. And then as things evolve, it starts to take on many different forms. And so, I mean, there's so many arguments that could be made from different people of what they think jazz dance is. Um, 
I don't really want to pin it down to there's just a specific style of what it can be. And that's the one thing I took from it. Even going to Jazz's World Congress, it shifted my, my, I guess, idea of what jazz dance was. And then, of course, now you have contemporary. Because before contemporary, and you go to these different dance competitions now, people are saying contemporary. But back then, people were calling it lyrical. So it's like, so I mean, I, I mean, most, and you know, and it's weird. I don't want to say that, you know, jazz is, is characterized by having set counts and, you know, staccato movement and because contemporary can be that as well. So, you know, it's, it's just such a hard, um, it's not really a hard question to answer, but, you know, maybe you can ask what it isn't or what it is, but then right. again, pour it in the hoop. <laughs> you know, it's one of those those debates that I think we'll always continue to have. There are some people who are diehard jazz, and there are some people who don't even consider, mm-hmm. you know, Chasse Padre bought my Forte Turn Pirouette even jazz. They even strip it down to, you know, it's it's da 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 da, you know, which that's a part of it. But it's just everything's evolving, and to, yeah. I think so. I think for me, it really just goes back to well, understanding for... the foundations of what it is right. your interpretation. Everyone has a different interpretation of what their jazz dance is, but I think understanding where the source comes from, and when it comes back to the original source and where it began, it's all rooted in African movement. And then from there, people tag on. It's kind of like with food. You can say, okay, this is Chinese food, but then you have Chinese American, Chinese fusion with this, and Chinese, you know. But so there's a, does that not make a Chinese food anymore? Because now there's a different interpretation because there's hey, cool. someone who, you know, you know. Most definitely, that's what their lineage is. But then they decided to go to Spain and study culinary arts there. So they take a Spanish Chinese fusion, you know. So it's and then it, it's so we started getting into the, the whole thing of appropriation and appreciation and how are these things going on. So I think really, I mean, I'm not gonna say that jazz is this and that it isn't this. I think everyone has their own interpretation. I think really it's just about understanding the source of where all this stuff is coming from. And you have to acknowledge that. I mean, whether you start your class off and then you and you start jazz started with this, this, and it came. You know, I'm not saying everyone has to do that, but most definitely, especially if you are in a, a place of higher education, I think at some point it should be brought up. Doesn't need to be in your technique class, so you have to go back and give these long lessons. No, but I think as an educator, me and I think other educators, they we need to know where the source of these things are coming from if we're going to continue to to teach them. I mean, whether you teach that particular thing, that's something else to be said. But yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. I go on tangents, by the way. So <laughs> you just stop me if you're like, hey, you went off track. But, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. You know, it's so crazy because people, and there was a situation where it's <laughs> I think we got you, though. Thank you. <laughs> that was, that, that was I don't, I don't say, you know, so, it did start, uh, I appreciate your advice. Honestly, uh, the company church. itself, so, Social Movement Contemporary um, Dance. Okay. Yes, became, so your company um, is Social Movement Contemporary Texas, Dance. You know, as a, it really as a just started in, in, in January 2019. Uh, but in 2018, I really started doing some things, and it wasn't under this name yet. But honestly, social movement contemporary dance has been in the works forever. I mean, all, right. all the things that I've been doing was something that was leading up to this. Like I said, when I first got into the company, I remember I was going to Germany. And I just remember watching the news and reading the newspaper. I'm like, this is going on over here? 
we are over here doing this. And, and so there was just this, this social consciousness that, that really, actually even before that growing up with my dad, you know, being heavily involved in, um, the, you know, Nation of Islam and, and those movements, those civil rights movements, that was just something that watching this growing up, I always saw. Um, even to where I actually went to, as a kid, I went to a private, private Muslim school, black Muslims. I mean, yeah, Muslim school. Like, my name Elijah is actually, yeah, it's in the Bible, but it's from, you know, the Muslim Elijah Muhammad. My brother's name is Moses, and my sister's name is Kalia. So that social consciousness and awareness was always there growing up. And I think with the dance, and even when I started doing a lot of my early choreography, it always dealt with some type of um, human condition and how we respond to different things that might be going on around us. So I like to say that the company has been in the works. It's just we now call it this. Um, but to go back to the question, how it all started, um, I'd done a piece um, called We Are Greenwood. Um, and everyone by now has been talking about Black Wall Street, especially with the um, recent issues with stuff that was going on and all these different um, historical facts and things have been coming out. Um, but I was really touched by this story yeah. and knew about it, and I decided I wanted to create this piece about it. And how that came about is a whole other thing, um, which we'll touch on that later. We'll see. Um, but I created this work, and that really was the just the way really got everything started. You know, kind of figuring out this is what I want to do because even when I was in Chicago and started doing a lot of choreography and I had dancers I was working with, um, people would ask me, "Oh, do you have a company? How do you audition for your company?" And I would tell them, "I, was, I don't have a company. I just have dancers that I work with, and we create." stuff. They knew how I worked. They knew how I moved. We, we just had this. I mean, there was one piece and, and they would do, do my crazy things. I will never forget. There was one night. Um, I just remember I was laying in bed and I had this idea and I would, I would come obsessive about her music or have an idea and I was just thinking this music company and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I called two of my dancers. I was like, meet me at Belmont Rocks, which is one of the beaches. And another friend of mine, she's a tap dancer, and that's it. And I called him, like, bring your boombox. And we were out there at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> because I wanted to create. I wanted to create. And, and it was just that. I mean, that's the kind of energy that was in the city at the time. And those dancers, they showed up. And we literally were out there at 1 a.m. creating work on the beach. Like, it was just crazy. I mean, and we would do stuff like that. So, but they would always ask me, are you going to create this company? And then I was like, I said, no, I don't have a company. Um, oh, yeah. And then, awesome. So, you know, the thing with me, I, I uh -huh. did want one, but I also knew that, knew that I needed to, I wasn't ready for that yet. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ready in so many different um, aspects. I mean, one, I knew that I wasn't done moving around. I like to travel. I was still dancing. Amazing. I was doing other things. And <laughs> you have to like, these are, these are people's jobs, lives yeah. who are dedicated to your vision. It's they're part of that vision as well. So I knew that I had to be in a place where I'm like, this is where I'm going to be. This is what this is going to be. Um, and I wasn't there yet. And also, I knew that I needed to be more than just dancing in the sense to where I know a lot of companies, I'm like, why, what's the reason for you existing? It, it couldn't be just because I wanted to make dances and choreograph. There needed to be more to it than just that. So um, at, at that point, I started to realize this is what this is. This is what this is going to be, and this is why I'm creating this. So that's um, basically what really led to the formation and the name, and, you know, this is what this is. So,
Yeah, well, I mean, just the, the right. different... The mission about, is to promote um, social consciousness it's, it's through creative arts and community engagement art, which is by expressing the breadth and depth um, and of the human condition through dance and storytelling. And there were some other things so that will you expound on that even more for us and tell us kind of how you do that? And I want to talk about it. Believe it or not, people think I talk a lot, which I can, but I was always one of these, those people who didn't really, not publicly, you know, um, I am, I am pretty introverted, believe it or not, and, um, I like to spend a lot of time with myself and not think, reflect on or whatnot, and sometimes just watch TV and just have my own moments. And so when I was expressing my emotions or, or this or that, it's not something that I would always just really do to, people or in general in public, but this choreography was a way for me to do all this stuff and talk about these things that I was seeing and dealing with or going through or that I saw other people go through and that they were dealing with. And so I created the black card and just even with that show, that and it's interesting because that show was um, it was my experiences. I, I think sometimes people think that you're trying to reflect all these other things and people of course might resonate with it. They go with the same thing, but it was it was my personal experiences dealing with um, cultural affirmation as a black male in the United States. Um, and that's what that show was about. So all the work we do, it's addressing some type of social issue. Um, it's not just black black issues, you know, the black experience. And I think in the beginning, that's what people were thinking. So we actually, this mission statement, there's had been lots of edits and retweaking and how we're going to do this and that because we deal with the human condition. We deal with emotions and how we, you know, deal with things, how they affect us and how we reflect on those and how that we might deflect that on stuff, you know, so that's just basically what we do it. I say storytelling because we're, we tell stories. Um, and that can be linear, can be abstract, you know, but there's always something that, and really it's always about creating, allowing for dialogue to be created. So we like to address something, we bring it to the front, there's never, a, we blame you, this happened to me, poor me, that this is what it is. And then hopefully people will, while they're watching that, will come to terms with how they deal with this, not saying anyone's right or wrong, but then start to question, ooh, should I even be thinking or what is that, you know? And then it creates dialogue, and that's what we like to try to do, because then, you know, community engagement is the same thing, going out and talking about these things, being involved with schools and, and teaching, and not just teaching dance, but even, I think, just with some of the works, it brings up these conversations as well, as well because this is happening, all these things happen all over the place. So, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, that's what it is. That's how we, we do it through our work. You know, the interesting for me is like the steps are never the hard thing. Sometimes people are like, oh, I can't think of steps. For me, the steps are the easy thing. The hard thing for me is, or, well, I want to say hard. It always starts, for me, it always starts with an idea. Right. There's something that happens. And I'm like, I want to talk about this. How do you create work? And then like, I what's the beginning of the about, process? Okay, so how can I you know, approach this? a piece in your Because company. this other thing too, I don't, I don't want to create something to where it's so abstract that I need to sit in there trying to figure out what this is about. Because I also want them to be entertained. I want them to enjoy themselves. I want them to see the dance. And so I sit down and I think about, okay, so how am I going to illustrate this? How am I going to talk about this? How am I going to lay this out? And when I kind of, play with the layout, and then I get into the studio, and then, I mean, I, 
I just think even especially when I was in grad school, I love semantics. It was like my favorite thing. So Laban and Alexander and all these different things. We started using effort qualities and how you can use that to portray what it, you know, mm-hmm. you come out and do a, a PK where I can go up and, and touch someone on their shoulder and do it five different ways. And depending on what kind of effort quality or how I do it, it it'll give off a different. So that's always the easy thing when it comes to the steps. It's just a matter of me I'm just trying to figure out how I want to say this, what's going to happen. So after that happens, I come in and it's different every single time. Sometimes the dancers, I just start working and we're playing around and I'm giving them some cues. Sometimes they don't even know them and I'm expecting them to just figure it out, but I haven't given them anything to figure it out with. And that's on purpose. Believe it or not, a lot of times I am still figuring it out as we're going along. Um, and, and, and a lot of the times I, I don't want to do, I wait a little bit before I even talk about it because as the piece starts to develop, it starts to become a little bit clearer, at least what we're talking about. And then I want their response to it to be natural rather than me telling them this piece is about this. And then all of a sudden they get into acting mode, which you do anyway. But I want it to be a natural reaction of like, oh, oh snap. Like, uh, like the one with the we are green with. When I started that process, um, the first rehearsal, I don't even think, I'm trying to go with, there was one rehearsal I made them sit and watch. There's a YouTube documentary that about it and let them watch it. But I don't even think that one happened first. Wow. I think the first rehearsal, I remember sitting down and I had them all stand up and I just made them face front and made them close their eyes. And then basically there were some things I was, ha- I just wanted to see how uncomfortable they would be. And that's the one thing because when you're, when you're dealing with, with situations, you're talking about things and such. Um, just any type of social issues, there's, you know, there's a potential of maybe say backlash or somebody might try to argue the point or this or that. So it's like you have to be clear and you have to understand that this is going to happen and you have to be ready for what could happen. So I wanted to see how uncomfortable I could make them. And it was interesting because some of those dancers were really young at the time. And I can just see them kind of like, they didn't know if they should react or how they should react or what. And, and so it was just interesting to see that. So we went through that process and then we would improv. We would um, go through the scenarios. I made them watch. So it really, the, the process is always different. Sometimes, sometimes I come in and I'm very clear about this is what's going to happen. Um, because I also like to set things up. Sometimes you'll come in and there's like this dance, da 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 da, and it's just setting you up for the boom, flipping on them. And so that, you know, and sometimes that's the easiest thing to get in that mm-hmm. out. And then when I switch it, it's, it becomes a little bit easier how to do that. So, yeah, the process is usually, the choreographic process is, can vary when we're in that space, but most definitely, um, we, um, it, it always starts with the idea of, I need to talk about this. And that's always the first, the first thing. Awesome. I'm so glad that you're starting the conversations that we need to have. And I love how your pieces give us time to reflect and to sit with the thoughts and to process um, because dance does move through time. It, it, it really just like helps us meditate, um, you know, while you're conveying the stories and messages to us, um, we just get that time that we really need. Thank you. Uh, would you please maybe paint a portrait of one of your pieces. So um, if uh, our audience who hasn't seen the work can maybe imagine it or a part of it. 
Oh. And then tell well, tell us what it means, like so we can, you know. Was there something in particular? Just, I don't know. There's so many different. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you uh, you created a piece on police brutality. Okay. And um, that, if you'd like to talk about that, uh, uh, you're talking show. about game show. So that was in we did a, a pro, an evening party. It was called Bats Entertainment. Um, and it's interesting because he, that piece, yeah, it was about that, but there were so many layers to that piece, most definitely, because the, the initial idea of how that came about was, um, some, I would, there was some discrimination in the workplace that I was dealing with. And, and it was one of the reasons why I left, I left that place. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to talk about this in the work. And that's the one thing, you know, some people get mad and they're like, I'm going to pass about I'm like, I'm not going to do that. All right. You want to go there? I'm going to create a work about it. And so that's what that's basically what happened. But I started thinking, okay, how can I, how can I do this? Because that's the other thing. Sometimes you have to be smart about how you do it, and rather than just like this is what I'm dancing, saying that is that. No, it really needs to illustrate that. How am I going to do this? So um, there were just so many things that were going on around that time. So that happened, and then again, the same thing you mentioned the police brutality that was happening, and I just remember. Again, you know, everyone keeps saying, well, this is not new. This happens every year. You know, that, yeah, we keep having a dialogue, but we know it's not new and it's going to happen again and again and again. What the result will be out of it, especially after this last one, you know, you know. But what I, the thing I took from this is that the fact that this, yeah, we keep saying that this happens. And it's interesting because I, there was a Saturday Night Live skit Tina Fey had done, and it was called Let Them Eat Cake. I think that was what it was called. And I remember watching this. And at first, it really took a while for me to really kind of, figure out what was going on, what was happening, and she's going on this rant about all the stuff that's going on while she is literally stuffing her mouth with cake. And I think the cake, if I remember correctly, it was an American flag. And I just kind of took away from this whole thing. It was like, yeah, she's watching all this stuff. She's seeing all this stuff, but at the same time, she's enjoying this cake. And literally, for me, it's, it, it's the thing to where we... We always get caught up in the pageantry of all the stuff that's going on. We're like, oh. Then a week, two weeks later, when it's done, there are those who get to go back to living their normal lives and can forget about it. And it's interesting how, unless it directly affects us, we say that we don't care, we don't really follow through with any of it. And that's kind of what I got from that. She was like, she's talking about all this stuff, you know what's going on. But at the end of the day, she can still have her cake and be fine. And so this piece starts off with, you know, these dangerous people of color, they're about their day. I kind of want to play. I remember growing up, we would we would play tag or we would have these different games where you're teams and you can run around it. And so it, it kind of illustrates that there are these two teams that go through this situation where they're playing and they resolve. They're like, oh, yeah. And then next, you know, cops come in or what have you, law enforcement. And then they they go through this thing where they're just lined up like shooting ducks, and it goes through that. I don't want to give away too much because we're actually no, don't bringing us work back. Um, yeah, we're yeah. bringing this work back. You have back. to see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorites. I mean, honestly, to this okay, day, yeah. I mean, I've created a lot of stuff. Some of the stuff I'm like, what the hell is this? Who let me put this on stage? <laughs> Who gave me money to do this? And whether people like this piece or not, it's literally one of my. I mean, and and it's so great. And so it goes through that whole thing. Um, but then the, the third movement, um, it's a game, it's a game show, and that's where it even gets interesting because there's all these different scenarios, like a little Jeopardy game or whatever, all these different, if you listen to the topics and then the answers and the questions, I mean, it's, 
and there's dance in it right. too. So it was just a way trying to, that was like, that was my way to pull that all together. And it really started with the idea of me dealing with a discrimination issue, um, racial discrimination issue at work and that caused me to leave that job. And then I brought all these other things into play. So it's pretty layered. Um, but yeah, that was the start of the piece. But yeah, I'm excited to bring that back. And it's so funny because, um, when the Floyd thing happened and one of my dancers, he called me, he's like, yeah, cause his mom was at the show. She's like, she had the flyer and she's like, Mijo, Mijo, look, it's what he was talking about last year. So it's just interesting, like what happened last year and with this piece is, it's all, it's, I mean, again, it, it miscontinues to happen, but it was really more or less about how those who aren't directly affected, and that can be anything, anything, you no know, people who aren't directly affected by things, um, kind of go about their lives, they can forget about it. And it's interesting because even now with the mask, some people don't want to wear the mask and this and this and that. And it's like, whether you believe it or not, but it's just, you know, but it's interesting because, yeah, you might be healthy, but you never know what this person, and just out of courtesy, people might be freaking out. You don't know what they have someone who lives with them that's compromised. And so, you know, but some people still don't want to wear it because for them, they're fine and they don't care and it's not going to bother them. I literally was watching TV and there was this, this lady and she was saying, you know, in the beginning, I didn't care about the mask. I thought it was stupid. And then both my kids got sick and I'm just so nervous. I'm afraid for their lives and everyone wear their masks. And so now that she's dealing with that now, oh, it, it matters. And so, and I think we just need to get out of that. It's the, it's that, it's the, the selfishness that's what happens. We don't really think about it because it's not directly affecting us. We just kind of turn a blind eye to it. But, and that was, pretty much the bottom line of the piece, but I threw all those other things in there to prove the point. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, you drove, you drove it hard and I can't wait to see it again. I'm so glad you're going to. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to bring it back and of course tweak it and make some changes. But I think it's good the way it is, but you know, get in there and clean up yeah. some of the dancing a little bit. Yeah. You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> do you uh, do you want to tell us about the girly show too? Maybe just a little bit. The girly show, and that's the thing. That's another one. So, in right of the stuff I talk about, I actually sit down and it's great. I have people I, I bounce ideas off of. My board president is amazing, um, and she's a, a, a great. And actually, my good friend Joel, the one I danced with, he was. I spoke to him a lot about these things, and you know, it's good to hear other people's feedback, dialogue about what they're seeing when I do something or my, their thoughts about when I tell them. I might not always like it, but it's good to have those checks in place, you know. Um, but, I, you know, I was just, I was, I forgot why, what made me want to do this, but it basically addressed how we look at the female body, specifically the female dancing body. I mean, yeah, all of our bodies are objectified, whether you're a dancer or not, but specifically, I just, there's so many things with the female dancer and she gets it from all, you know, all angles. And the thing that was really hard was that, of course, me as a man looking at this, I see it one way, but I couldn't tell. I didn't, I didn't, well, I didn't want to tell this story from my point of view. Um, but I'm not a woman. So yes, my body's been objectified. I don't know what women go through and women deal with it all differently. So that was the hardest thing, really trying to, you know, be authentic. And, and how I'm telling that story, but not trying to tell it from my point of view. And so having that dialogue again with many different people and you know, like, well, what do you feel? How do you feel? How do you think this should happen? So, but that's basically what that piece was, but the thing, how I address it. And again, I, when it opened, there were four sections in the first half of this, because again, these pieces are, are longer in, in duration, but, um, um, I took them to a, a Vegas show. 
if you go to Las Vegas, you see the tits and the ass. Now, the tits and the ass weren't out, but, you know, we gave you all that. I mean, and it, and what I did, it, there were, again, there were four different sections of this, movements of this, and I, I did it to where, where it almost where it went on too long. So in the beginning, you're like, oh, you're entertaining. You're like, yes, the costumes, yes, you shake it and do it, you know. <laughs> and then by the fourth movie, you're like, this is still going on. But it, it's not even that it's long, but it's because, okay, you've seen them go through these different transitions and how they're moving and what they're doing with their bodies. And now it's kind of like, oh, well, I'm sitting next to my wife and my kids are here. Like, and it's not that they're doing anything bad, but it's just the fact that their bodies are on display and they're dancing and you're looking at it. And then it, then that's when I flip it. Um, and again, I don't, let me get my way. But that, 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 yeah, I flip it, it. And, then it, and then it makes you question <laughs> oh, because now they're not dancing in this, this, um, I want to say, I guess erotic. I mean, it wasn't necessarily that, but what we would consider, you know, some people just because we sexualize everything here in the United States. So, of course, some people would look at it as, oh, they're moving their hips or they're doing, you know, but we change the movement and almost, and it's not that I'm saying that, you know, movement and dance is, is, is gendered, you know, um, but what we consider to be a little more masculine, and I just, and I, and, but now, but their clothes totally different, and how are we still looking at them in that way? But then when they put it back, did you catch yourself? And so it just makes you question, do you look at women that way when you start to see them dance? And, you know, and if they're dressed a certain way, or if they are dancing a certain way, how do you look at them, how you perceive their dance, how you look at the work, what parts of the body do you pay attention to, and why are you focusing on those parts of the body? So, yeah, those are the questions I was trying to make people, and I think it was stuff. I mean, from what I hear, you know, people are like, wow, you know, it's so crazy, I just have to catch myself in the second half of the work, you know, but, so yeah, I mean, I love that word too. It's, it's a, I don't know when I'm going to bring that back, but when I do bring it back, I'm going to have the first part be a little more elaborate. I mean, there are some ideas I have. Take it over the top. <laughs> cool. Production-wise. Oh, Production-wise. Great. Oh, cool. Little razzle-dazzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll make it rain a little bit, you know, do some other things. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So how can people support you? Uh, well, we, well, all of our social media outlets, we have an Instagram social media dance. We have a Facebook page, our website. Okay, follow. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? I said follow. Oh, yeah, follow, follow, follow. Yeah. You can uh-huh. support us by following uh-huh. us, come to our shows, and when we mm-hmm. get back to that, you can go to socialmovementdance.com, hit that support page, and, you know, drop a little donation. There's so many different things. Actually, it's interesting because we were going to do, of course, COVID affected everything. Um, but there, it was after only being a year, oh, there were so many things that we actually had going on this season, which kind of bummed that didn't happen. I mean, we had some out of some international stuff we were going to be doing, which was great to be able to do that. Of course, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's all good. But then we were going to turn some things into some um, some videos, you know, and like movie type things. But, you know, at the end of the we just started, you know, it's just be irresponsible to do that with the dancers. I know everyone's, um, they might be comfortable being around each other. I just, it's not that serious. We can take this break. Um, so I think we'll be, well, we are going to do um, at some point, maybe starting in, late August, September, for about a week, maybe stream a work a week at a time, you know, just kind of, because we have a lot of supporters who have board members that aren't even in Houston. Um, and they, of course, they come out to the show, but there are people who support us from other places that don't even live here. They can't really make it out. So at least let them see what they've been supporting, 
<laughs> you know. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Um, looking back on your uh, time in Chicago and forward to your future at Houston, uh-huh. um, how can Houston be more like the things that you loved about Chicago? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's and it's hard to say to speak this. The, I guess you want to give advice or speak on how that could happen because you know every dance community is unique. I mean, Chicago will never be New York. New York will never be Houston. Houston will never be New York. Houston will never be San Francisco. LA will. You know, right. there are different things. Cities are made up of differences that keeps them unique. Um, as far as what can help that, I you know it's hard. I the one thing I will say about Chicago, and I mean of course I'm not an expert on Houston, but just the things that I've seen um, is the lack of community. In a sense, to where when I when I go see dance, um, the Houston dance community—it's all dancers. Like the dancers are what who go see other dancers, and that's not even always the case. Um, when I was in Chicago, they had a true dance community in the sense to where it wasn't the dancers. You had people in the city who weren't dancers who loved the arts and they went and supported the arts and they went to watch the arts and dance. They they mean. They would show up in drones to see a dance company, and they weren't even dancers, and they just loved it. So that we had that kind of support, and that's what I don't really see here. I mean, you might have some, a couple of people who support their the local company or like to go to that stuff, but I just don't see the city of Houston like support dance that way. Um, of course, Houston Ballet is a totally different machine, and they have their support there. But I just I think at the the lower level with the smaller companies. It, I, I, most definitely, I feel that that's one of the things that's missing. How to run that support, I don't know. I, I'm just maybe, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, you deserve it, and I think. I mean, I, I think maybe that, it's because I mean, maybe there's some of the stuff that needs to be. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm just gonna stop there. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. You being here is such a gift to our community, and I hope that people will take the time to see you. And I think once they do, they won't be able to take their eyes off of you. And that, and I, I pray that support comes. Um, Me too. As soon as possible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything um, you know that you think the Houston dance community could really do to um, do better and uh, maybe? give some perspective from, you know, your, your experience around the world and in other cities um, that maybe we just don't, don't know to do or somebody just needs to do? I, don't, I mean, you know, I think it's great. We have Dance Force Houston, which is a, a great tool that kind of ties everyone together. That's another thing I think in Chicago. We had so many programs that actually brought the different organizations together. But I think the organizations have to want to come together. I, again, it's, we are, we're fairly new. Well, I'm really new here, the company. And I've been here for some years now because I was teaching at Sam Houston and those first years I most definitely just caught it to school and I didn't, I'm just like, eh, I need a break from trying to immerse myself into these communities. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting because I feel like support wise, not everyone gives the same support that they give to other people. You know, there's some, there's groups and, you know, that's everywhere. But I, you know, I look at, um, Urban Souls, they just celebrated 15 years last year. And at that celebration, where was the dance community? I mean, that's an amazing thing to be somewhere for 15 years. And I just feel like 
where was the dance community in celebrating him and that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. I saw yeah. John Strunk there, Dance Force Houston, they were there. He was there in support of that, you know. And so it, it's things like that that I find interesting that it's not that inclusive. Um, well, it's not as inclusive as people would like it to be. And, I mean, yeah. that right there it says a lot, you know. Right. <laughs> gotta, get, gotta get out more. Yeah. So how do we, I mean, how do we like, or how do you see people um, wanting to be entertained on their phones and on their TVs and bridging the gap between that and showing up for live performances? That's the hard thing. I mean, because, you know, what's going to make someone not go to a movie or go to a music concert, you know, they go to a a Beyonce concert and there's fireworks and all that stuff everywhere. And of course, Beyonce knows some music or the same thing, Katy Perry or whoever. You know, or they can go on TV and see these, they get these quick fixes. And I think that's just part of, you know, what the age of technology has done and created. Um, you know, uh, maybe just the work. I mean, I even t- like, I, I just remember when I go see a show and it doesn't always have to be this extreme physical virtuosity movement, but I don't want to go pay $40 to see something that my grandmother or my sister can do who has no dance training, you know, and so, that's another thing. I mean, if what's going on isn't that entertaining, and if it's not, oh, why? Are, how do we expect people to want to come see this stuff? You know, hey, yeah, I, I don't. It's just yeah. But, what are you working on now? Um, right now I'm actually in, in residence for the University of Florida. Right now, I actually have to start re- start rehearsal in a couple of minutes. Um, yep. And again, again, um, we're doing some other things. We partner with Arts Connect right now, so that's great. Um, again, just trying to think of programming actually how we're actually going to do this stuff. Um, I'm really excited about it's coming back. Like I said, we're going to bring Game Show back in our spring um, show. Um, we had some things through Cincinnati Ballet that was going to happen, which of course got canceled. But um, we're, we're we touched touched base on. How we're gonna we're gonna bring it back when it's gonna happen. So that was so again that's just in the works. A lot of the things that we're talking is just waiting to see when they can actually happen. I mean, can't really physically as far as that, but just a lot of these different things. Um, right now again have it just for a next show. We have a guest choreographer coming in. I'm so excited about this work that he's created. I saw it and I was blown away. So that'll be a part of the show. Then I'm creating new work. Um, and it's my response to what's happening right now. And I'm excited about that. That'll be a longer, again, a longer work. It'll be second half of the, the show. Um, so as far as that, and, you know, other little projects that we're still working on, you know, talking and discussing how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. So, yeah. And Great. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Uh, in the meantime, uh, listeners can check out your um, latest uh, release of a highlight um, video from Michambetta. So that's yes. on YouTube. Um, check it out, and uh, you can see Elijah's work. Let's close um, with you giving us some advice, as if we were maybe members of your company or, or a company that aspired to be something like yours. And tell us what you think uh, we can do during these times um, in life and in dance. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's the thing is without actually um, say proud, I guess, or it's it's a since relief, I'm so grateful, I'm happy to see this, is that 
and actually a former dancer called me, sent me a message. He said he when all this stuff happened, he said, you know, I just want to thank you for the opportunity that you gave me. Um, you know, not realizing then the work that we were doing and what it was speaking to, and now realizing that all the stuff that we have been doing and talking about, you know, it's such an important thing that needs to be seen and the way it's been done. And so to really see all of my dancers right now, and you know, people say the word woke or what have you, but to, to really be proactive um, about their voice and what they're saying and what they believe in and what's going on. Like I'm on their social media and I see them, of course, they're not out too much, but I've seen people out protesting and talking. And so it's great to see that they're active. I mean, yeah, we do it in the dance as well, but it's also about the community engagement. So to see them take a, a active role in those things, I love it. It's great because I, I mean, if you're going to be dancing for me, you just have to have a point of view. Does it always have to agree with what mine is? No, but that's where the discussion comes, and that actually helps with the creation of all these works and how we're talking about things. So I think just as artists, period, we should be involved that way. I mean, you think about dancing, especially in the early times, with you know, contemporary and modern. I mean. It was all a reflection of what was happening. And I think we've moved away from that a lot. Um, and that's in part, a lot of times when you put in the festivals and funding, you know, they don't want to fund this. You're talking about that. So we change our dialogue. We change what it is that we're creating work about just so we can get this funding or fit into this festival. And that's something I will never do, first off. Um, and so that's one thing as artists. And I think stay busy, stay active. You know, um, I think, again, I'm not saying go out and be crazy and do this, but it keeps stimulating your mind and move around. You can do a yoga. I just put my yoga mat down here well, yesterday, and it had like 500 wrinkles in it because it's been folding up for like months. So <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I might have to buy a new one. But, you know, I think just, yeah, stay active, stay engaged, whether that's physically and mentally, verbally, talk to people, stay stay aware and self-educated. on it. It's hard because you see so much stuff on social media and through the news and you don't know what's true, what's not true, but read something, pick it up, ask people. There was something literally, I have a text, a couple of different group texts, but I had some friends, I said, um, you guys, I didn't see this, they took it down, what was this talking about? And they sent me the clip and I watched it a little bit and I said, okay, I have to go back and find the original statement that happened years, 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 years ago to really put it in the context. But it's just things like that. I mean, we have to stay aware, it's, it's easy now that we're just relaxed or chill out and I'm a little sedentary, and this, you have to take those breaks most definitely. But I mean, that's my encouragement. I think to dancers and people in general, and if anyone who wants to get involved with the stuff that we're doing, you can't just come in and just dance. You have to have some type of sense of awareness, some sense of belief, and something just because it's it's not going to work for you. You have I, I use my dancers; they're part of that creation. So that's that's a part of you know part of the social movement, social. Movement. It's a movement, but we're also moving. Like our next T-shirt, one of my dancers' boyfriends. I love it. We're gonna create this. Probably shouldn't say it. Well, like I like my um, I like my I like my dance social and my, and my movement contemporary or something like that. I might have messed it up, but it's great. I love it. So we're gonna use that. So look out for the next T-shirts because we're gonna come out. <laughs> My guest today is Elijah Gibson. His company is Social Movement Contemporary Dance. Elijah, thank you for being a part of Dance Talks. Thank you for having me.